0: Electronics are great when they work. Amen? Well, as we start this uh, series uh, on the mission of the church, uh, as you know, we've been talking about the church for a while now. Um, God's idea, God's inception is the church, the people of God to gather together. Uh, The giftedness that he has given to all of us, we've talked about that, right? And a lot of that, if you think about it, the giftedness, edifying one another, building up one another, that's something we all should be actively involved in every, every time we gather, right, and even outside of when we gather. But there's another aspect to the church, and that is we are the light. So up until this point, we've been kind of focusing a lot on in, internally, right, us as the family of God using our giftedness. We are the temple of God, all of that, right? But we don't want to, that's like one side of the coin. The other side is we are the light. We are the light. And so as we think about that idea that Jesus calls us the light, it has tremendous implications in this world. Tremendous implications. And so what I would like to do as we start this, and I'll be talking about this idea of us being the light today and then, Lord willing, next Sunday. So it'll be a two-part on this issue of being the light. I want to take us back into the Old Testament. Now, why am I doing that? I think it's very important when we study Scripture that we understand the Scriptures of The people during the time of Christ was the Old Testament. So it's an important principle when it comes to studying God's word. Whatever is being said in the New Testament, those listeners, their point of reference is the Old Testament. Does that make sense? Okay. And it helps to bring clarity to what is happening in the New Testament. Remember when we did the church series, where did we start? Old Testament, with the dwelling of God, with Adam and Eve. We went all the way back. And then we went to the tabernacle, right? Where they would break it down and set it back up. And then we moved into the actual structure of the temple. You can trace these things all the way through. And, and God's word is such a beautiful cohesiveness of truth. So we're going to look at some key verses In the Old Testament, as pertains to this idea of light. Because when Jesus looked at his disciples and said, you are the light of the world, their mind would have been going all the way back to the Old Testament implication of that. And it's powerful. It's powerful. Amen. Amen. All right. So let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace. For Jesus Christ, for the Holy Spirit, for your word that realigns our thinking, changes us from the inside out. And I pray now, God, that you would open up our eyes that we might accurately understand your word. Not just to understand it intellectually, but God, to understand it, what it means spiritually for our lives. Then that we would leave this place, this gathering, and live it out. So we thank you. We pray for your blessing in Christ's name, Amen. Amen. So l- let me uh, let me start with Matthew. You said, well, "Wait, Ron, you just said we're going to the Old Testament." Well, We are. That's where we're going to spend most of our time. But well, let's go to Matthew chapter five, verses fourteen and sixteen. And these verses I'm really not going to deal with until next week, Lord willing. Okay, but 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 this is where we we need to understand this in light of what we're going to talk about today in the Old Testament. So notice in Matthew 5, 14, he says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Fifteen. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. And then verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others. So Not only are you the light, that's who you intrinsically are. But now let it shine. We'll unpack that next week. So that they may see your good works, and this is crucial, and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Amen? So we're going to come back to that next Sunday, that mandate given by Jesus to us as followers. But what I want you to think about now as we go into God's word is look at this idea of the light and how it's used in Scripture and how it's going to inform this command that Jesus gave. So now we're going back, going back to Genesis. Let's go to Genesis. Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. And this is some foundational understanding of just the meaning, the nuances of this word light. That would have been in every Jewish mind as they hear Jesus using the word light. And that's why we're walking back now. Genesis 1, 1 to 3. Notice what he says. In the beginning, God created the heavens. And the earth. Verse 2. The earth was without form and void. And darkness was over the face of the deep. And the spirit of God. Was hovering over the face of the waters. Now listen at verse 3. And God said. Let there be light, and there was light. And you say, well, what does does that have to do with what Jesus said? That's a good question. I don't know. No, I'm just joking. Okay. Oftentimes in Scripture, God will give us metaphors. Now, we have to be careful here. Because we don't want to go in God's word and start spiritualizing everything. That's a danger. People will do that. Right? Joseph sat by the palm tree. Oh, the palm tree represents the sovereignty of God. Oh, 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 no, it's a palm tree. (laughs) Don't, Don't make it more than what it really is. But there are pictures, types, metaphors that God uses that have their meaning in the context But there's a greater meaning. Are you following me? Now you have to be careful. How do you know when there's a meaning even besides what the meaning is in the text? That's a great, right? Because you don't want to go off the rails. Well, you let Scripture inform that. That's your guardrail. You let Scripture inform where there is a literal meaning of something. But there's also a spiritual meaning to that same thing. Are we following? Let me give you an example. Do you remember when they were wandering in the wilderness, right? And they're complaining, and they're hungry, and they're thirsty, and they want water. And what happens? What, what does Moses do? Where does Moses get water from? The rock. I mean, remember, he got in trouble because he got a little attitude, right, because his anger kicked in. You know, leading God's people can make you angry sometimes. Oh, well, that's another message. So, so that's a good text right there. That's a good proof text right there. Right? So, so it's interesting that they're bickering and they're complaining, and then, boom, he strikes the rock, and water comes out. It's interesting, though, in the book of Corinthians, Paul says these things were written for our remembrance or for our, for our edification. Look how they were acting. Right? So you can get some spiritual truths. But then you know what he says about the rock? You know what he says about the rock? That rock was, anybody know? Christ. Wait, what? There it is. There's a prime example. It was a literal rock. But in a spiritual sense, he says, and that rock was Christ. Wow. So let scripture inform where in scripture there's a greater meaning than just the literal meaning. Amen? Now, again, people have abused that. They have abused that, making Scripture say a lot of things Scripture did not say. And I think the way you guard yourself from spiritualizing a text that should not be spiritualized is you let Scripture inform where that happens. So when we talk about the light, here the creation account, we see God speaking light Into darkness. And the creation. Now begins. Now that there's light. When we get over to the New Testament. and We'll we'll get there in a minute. But I'm going to preview it real quick. Do you know what Paul was going to say? In reference to what happened to you. And your salvation. The same God who spoke light. And said let there be light. Has spoken light into you. There you go. He makes a connection. This happened, but there is a greater significance to this idea of light penetrating the darkness. It happened as God created, but there are spiritual implications to this. Again, the Jewish mindset would have grasped this. They would have understood the significance of this word light. So light and darkness, you're going to see throughout Scripture, they become metaphors for spiritual realities. They become metaphors for spiritual realities. And you're going to see God use that all throughout the Old Testament. We won't look at all the places, but then you're going to see that same theme happen in the New Testament, culminating in the person... Of Jesus Christ, who is going to say, I am the light. Every Jewish man would have been like, oh, wait a minute. I know what he's saying. Because they would have attributed light back to God. In the beginning, God said, let there be light. You see how it all connects? This word light is filled with spiritual meaning. And this is the word that Jesus is going to look at his followers and say, you're the light. Oh, oh, whoa, what? (laughs) But we're not there yet. Let's back up. Right. So this idea of the metaphor, you're going to see that that light is always contrasting darkness. God God will use this idea of light in Scripture to to contrast it against evil. Let's look at some of these passages. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2, verses 12 to 13. Here we're going to see this idea of light representing evil, or rather, darkness representing evil. Notice what he says, delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech. He's talking about God's commandments, God's wisdom in the context. Verse 13, what does he say? Who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness. He's talking spiritually. This is important as we understand the significance of light. Spiritually, you have to understand what it's being contrasted with, darkness, spiritual darkness. Proverbs 2, uh, 12, 13, let's look at Exodus, Exodus chapter 10. We're going to look at a number of passages here to, 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 to get you to see this idea of darkness and light. Okay, Exodus chapter 10, verses 21 to 23. Here we see darkness being used as God's judgment. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand toward heaven, that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt. Now, do you think that was just, it's going to be dark? Well, there was a literal darkness, but it's more than that. (laughs) It's more than that. That there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, watch this, a darkness to be felt. It's not just, wow, it's dark in here. (laughs) There there is the idea that, look, in scripture, where there's darkness, guess what's not there? Light. And, And who is God? God is light. God is absent. He's not there. He's not present. Are you following me? So so look at verse 22. Look at verse 22. So Moses stretched out his hand toward heaven, and there was pitch darkness in all the land of Egypt for three days. 23. They did not see one another, nor did anyone rise from his place for three days. But watch this. But all the people of Israel had what? Light where they lived. As an act of God's judgment, he removes light from them. And again, we're going to see as we're walking through, as we're walking through, there's something more here than just physical light or darkness going on here. There's a spiritual reality here. God's presence is not with them. As an act of judgment, you're in darkness. But my people, Israel, they are my people. I'm with them. They have light. <laughs> Don't miss it. You're going to see this unfold. A physical reality that speaks to a spiritual reality. Exodus is another one of those places. Look at Amos 5.18. Amos 5.18. Again, the idea of this darkness being Judgment of God. Amos 5.18. Woe to you who desire the day of the Lord. Why would you have the day of the Lord? It is darkness and not light. Again, darkness denotes judgment in Scripture. And that's important when we bring the idea of light into this conversation. Amen? Amen? Let's look at Psalm 88, 11 to 12. Psalm 88, verse 11 to 12. And we're just looking at a few. There are so many, but again, for the sake of time, we want to just kind of give you an idea of how is light and darkness being used? Psalm 88, verses 11 and 12. This is the psalm is crying out in the midst of his despondency, his despair. And God's presence is not there. Like, God, where are you? And notice what he says. Is your steadfast love declared in the grave or your faithfulness in Abaddon? Verse 12. Are your wonders known in the darkness? Or your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? In other words, God, where are you? Do I have to go to the grave? Do I have to die before I see your presence? He's. He's despondent, he's depressed, right? But notice he says, are your wonders known in the darkness? Well, the obvious answer is, well, no. (laughs) It's not where God dwells. So just out of his despondency, he's associating darkness with what? A lack of God's presence. Now, let's take a look at light. Again, we're we're, we're trying to see how, how is this term being used in God's word. Look at Psalm 56. Psalm 56, verses 10 through 13. As we begin to look at light. In God, whose word I praise. In the Lord, whose word I praise. In God, I trust. I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? I must perform my vows to you, O God. I will render thank offerings for you. Look at 13. For you have delivered my soul from death. Yes, my feet from failing that I may walk before God in the light of life. You're going to begin to see the scriptures using, in contrast to darkness, spiritual death, darkness, absence of God's presence, light, now representing life, and salvation. Look at Isaiah nine, one to two. Isaiah nine. 1-2 that spiritual darkness, have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. So here we see light being portrayed as what? Salvation. Life in the previous verse. This idea of light coming from God, his salvation. We see this contrasted with darkness, spiritual deadness in people. Okay? Let's look at Proverbs 6, 20 to 23. Proverbs 6, 20 to 23. My son, keep your father's commandment and forsake not your mother's teaching. Bind them on your heart always. Tie them around your neck. When you walk, they will lead you. When you lie down, they will watch over you. And when you awake, they will talk with you. Talking about God's commands. Verse 23, for the commandment is a what? Lamp. And the teaching a light. And the reproofs of discipline are the way of life. So again, Scripture uses the idea of life spiritually to represent the commandments of God. And and there's so many other scriptures, right? Thy word is a, right? Keep this in mind because all of this is wrapped up in this word light in the Jewish mind as we work our way towards the scriptures that we're going to unpack in more detail. So darkness, darkness is contrasted with light in that darkness represents death, judgment, chaos, disorder. Light represents life right this is in the mindset of every Jewish person because they knew their Old Testament well how these metaphors were being used and now let's jump to 2nd Corinthians chapter 4 verses 1 to 6 now in light of what we just did that little excursion in the Old Testament I want you to listen closely for how Paul ties this metaphor of light to salvation. Look at what he says, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 to 6. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. This is Paul talking about his ministry of the gospel, of preaching. But we have renounced disgraceful. Underhanded ways, we refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. I love that. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. In other words, what is he saying? When we came to you, we simply preached the gospel. We didn't try to give you our philosophy, what we thought we did not mess with God's word. We declared the whole counsel of God to you. Look at what he says in verse 3. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Wow. If it's not being received, if it's being covered, if it's being rejected, yet yeah, it's those that are perishing. Look at verse 4. In their case, the God of this world has blinded what comes to mind with the word blindness, darkness, absence of light. D- d- listen for the spiritual implication here. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from Seeing the light of the gospel, of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Do you see the connection with light, salvation, connected to God, connected to Christ? Look at verse 5. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. And then verse 6. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness. What does that sound like? in the beginning you see the connection the same god who spoke creation out of nothing the same god who spoke creation in darkness was dispelled is the same god who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of god In the face of Jesus Christ. I hope you see this connection. He speaks creation into existence. The darkness is dispelled. Let there be light. And there was light. The same way in your darkness, your deadness in Christ. He spoke Christ. And we were alive. Light came into us. Salvation through the gospel. Beautiful connection. Amen. Amen. And notice that when God spoke that light in Genesis, he spoke the light. He spoke it. When our salvation came. it's Because of you. (laughs) No, no, no. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness. He has shown in our hearts. To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. It is only by God opening up our hearts and minds that that light came in. We were dead in our sins, Ephesians says. Dead, separated from God. We were in total darkness. And God, out of his grace, says, let there be light. And he breathed. Created life in us through Christ. Praise God. Man, if that doesn't get you a little bit happy. Wow. All the darkness gone. And now when he sees us, he says he sees the righteousness of Christ in us. Light. Amen. Amen. This idea of light. Light carries with it the weight of God's sovereignty, God's grace, God's salvation, the person of Jesus Christ, spiritual aliveness. All of this is wrapped up in this word. Because the epitome of light, spiritually, is in Jesus Christ. And when it says that the light, he commanded the light to shine out of darkness, this same light through the person of Jesus Christ, by God's grace, by God's sovereignty, this light has been spoken, shown in our hearts. And now we have light. Now we have Now we have salvation. Praise God. The weight of this idea of light. Look at 1 Timothy 6.16. Because we see that again, this light, this idea of light has the idea of holiness. He says, who alone has immortality? Who dwells in unapproachable light. Whom no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. Unapproachable light. The holiness of God. It's this unapproachable light. We just saw the movie, The Ten Commandments, right? What happened when Moses went up and he saw the burning bush, the light from the bush, right? God's glory passes by. Remember, he comes down off the mountain with a new hairdo. (laughs) I like how Hollywood did that. They just made his hair. But the light of the glory of God, his holiness. Here it's described as what? unapproachable light. God is pure. God is holy. No one can approach him. He is holy. We would all amen that, right? But watch this. Please grab this. But yet this holy God says you can come boldly to my throne. What? What? How is that possible? Because of Corinthians, the light of the gospel has shone in your hearts. It has removed the veil of separation. And now we can come into his presence and cry out, Abba, Father. Not because of me, but because of the light in me, Jesus. Do you see the weight of this? call this holy God who is unapproachable because of his holiness. We can call him Father. And yet Satan has some of us living like paupers. I'm not talking about materially. Let's not, I'm not talking about gospel prosperity stuff that's preached. I'm talking about not understanding who you are in Christ. Amen. That you have the righteousness of Christ in you. The light has come into the world and has redeemed us and has made us sons and daughters. That's who you are because of what Christ did. Look at 1 John. 1 John 5 to 7. We're working our way. We're getting to our verses. We'll unpack those other verses next week, but I'm just trying to build you up to those verses. Look at 1 John 1, 5 to 7. Notice, as we again, the the, the writings of John are now going to focus this light exclusively on Jesus Christ as God, the light of the world. (laughs) This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you. That God is light. And in him, here it is again, is no darkness at all. Verse 6. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie. Let let that resonate. We lie and we do not practice the truth. Why? Because if you are in Christ, you cannot walk in darkness. That is not who you are anymore. That's the point. The darkness was dispelled through the light, just like in Genesis when it was dark and he said, be light. The darkness was gone. <laughs> Spiritually the same thing for you. Do, do, do you see the connection he's making with light and darkness? There's a reality that ought to be in our life as believers. If if the light is truly in you, look at what he says, verse 7. But if we walk in the light, ah. As he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Amen? Amen. You and I can only be in fellowship, real, true fellowship, biblically, because we are first in fellowship with. And if we're walking in the light, which every true believer will walk in the light because the light is in you, that's who you are. You say, wait a minute, but I don't always walk in the light. I know. That's why John said if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Why? Because Christ has already died for that sin. Here's what you cannot do as a believer. Be in sin, keep walking in it, living in it, and be okay with that. That's not a true believer. Let's not make any bones about it. That's not a true believer. Pastor Ryan, sound a little judgmental. No, that's what God said. That's what God said. You cannot keep on sinning. The idea is this is who you are. This is my lifestyle. There's no conviction. I'm content with doing this. But at the same time, claiming I'm a believer. John says, no, you're lying. You don't know God. Because he says, it is impossible. It is impossible. For you who are in the light to live in darkness. It's impossible. Why? Because the light is in you. (laughs) Are we getting this? Man, it ought to bring us joy to know even when I fail, God, the light is still in me. (laughs) I'm still yours. Now, I have to confess that sin, forsake that sin, get that out of my life? But that doesn't determine who I am. Christ in me, the hope of glory, that's who I am. I'm in Christ now. Do we see the significance of the light? Look at John 8, 12. Jesus. Jesus. Makes this claim, and again, I, I I I want you to try to put yourself in the mindset of a Jewish person who understands the nuances of this word "light," as Jesus says, "I am the light of the world." <laughs> Do you know where their mind just went? See, the Jewish people, they looked at God as being pure, holy, as God being the light. Jesus, I'm the light of the world. Wow. Whoever follows me, here it is, will not walk in darkness. The light transforms a person. You cannot walk in darkness. You've been transformed. The light has overcome the darkness. It is more powerful than the darkness. Notice what he says. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light Of life. Spiritual life. That only. Can come through faith in Jesus Christ. And what he did on the cross. And is imparted to every true believer. Through the Holy Spirit. You cannot walk in darkness. Let's look at. Couple more here. John 9. John 9, 5. Because now we're 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 getting close to why Jesus said what he said to us in Matthew. Look at what he says in John 9. Very interesting. As long as As I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Do you feel an inference there? As long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. So what happens when you're not in the world? Do you see it? As long as I am in the world. We saw prior, he said, I am the light of the world. Here he qualifies it. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. You see where we're going with this? Jesus is going to return to his father after the resurrection and go and prepare a for us and he says that where I am you may be with me and what happens to this idea of light and all that we've said it means he's going to turn around and look at his disciples and say you are the light (laughs) whoa now we'll, we'll talk about the implications of that that doesn't mean you're God. Don't, 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 don't mess it up. <laughs> that does, he was not saying you're God. That's what our new agers would like to say. See, we're all little gods, just like he was. No. No. But he says that you are the light. And all that's wrapped up in that word. Not that you're God. You and I. Are now carriers, if you will, of the light of God. Think about this. You and I now have the light in us, that light that a world that is in darkness needs. The world groping in darkness, they need light. Yeah, they, 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 they just need Jesus. They just need to come to know Jesus. Uh-huh. Yeah. And how shall they hear unless someone go? You're carrying the light. You are that light. Wow. You should feel the weight of it. You should feel the weight of this. I know I do. We can stand in our pulpit and preach at the culture and put our hands at all the stuff that's going on in the culture. Look how dark it is. Look how lost it is. Look how depraved it is. Mm-hmm. Yep, they're in darkness. Yeah, but the light has come and is now in you. What are you doing about it? All the lights like to sit together on Sunday mornings and then leave and just go to their little men's groups and women's groups. Those are good, those are good, those are good, those are good, right? But we never interact with the world. Jesus never prayed to take his believers out of the world. John 17, Father, I do not pray that you take them out of the world, but keep them while they're in the world. How? Sanctify them. So we navigate in the world to the truth of who God is. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. I'm not going with the cultural narrative. I'm going based on what God says. But in doing that in the real world, let your light shine. Jesus says, as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the Now that Jesus is no longer here physically, you're the light of the world. (laughs) Wow. Through the Spirit of God dwelling in us. We're going to talk more about what this means. Because being the light. It has so many implications that you and I, as the light, we should be, as the song goes, pushing back the darkness. <laughs> That's the light we have in us, Christ in us, the hope of glory. And, and so Jesus gives this mandate in Matthew that we'll, we'll look at next week. Right. Let, let, let's go back. Let, let's go back to Matthew 5, 14, because look at the mandate that he gives. You are the light of the world. Right. So he identifies them. In essence, who you are now, you are the light of the world. Think about what that means. The world is dead in darkness. You're the light. It's almost like, you know, the picture that comes to mind, all those people over there are are starving. They're dying. They're spiritually empty. They have nothing. They're dead in their sins. You have life. (laughs) You have life in you. You've been transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Life has been breathed into you through the Holy Spirit. You've been regenerated. You've been redeemed. You've been saved. They're all dying. What, are you going to just sit over here and not say anything to them? Wow. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Hope Church should be like this. beacon and Allentown. We're in the midst of darkness. Are we shining? Are we? We'll talk more about this next week. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Let's look at the next verse as we wrap up for today. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and it gives light to all the house. How are we doing with that? Hope. Jesus doesn't simply say we are the light just to identify who we are. There's a practicality to it. Go be the light. God works through people. God works through people. And he has saved us. He has called us to be his own. And now he says, you are now the light. Go and do and declare what the light does. (laughs) Go be the light. How shall they hear the gospel if we don't go? We're carrying this, this, This beautiful treasure in earthen vessels, Paul says. But are we just like walking by people in darkness? There's a guy just like, just famished and, 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 and dying of thirst. And we got this big cooler of water. we're like, oh man, we're just looking at him and walking? People are spiritually in darkness. But we're in the light. We ought to be making a difference in the midst of the darkness. That's why Jesus left us here. We'll talk more about what does that look like practically. What does that mean? We are the light. So later he's going to go on to say what? So let your light shine among men. This is what we got to be about, Hope Church. We got to be about that. There's the giftedness, edifying one another, right? Praying for one another, encouraging one another. All that we've been talking about, absolutely. But then there's this aspect, be the light. Amen? God, thank you for Jesus Christ, who is the light, who died to give us life. And Father, you left us here now. You could have taken us home upon redeeming us. You could have ushered us into your presence after saving us, but you left us here. Because, God, there is so much darkness here. And, Father, you call us now to be the light. Oh, God, to bring the hope of the gospel, to proclaim Jesus Christ, to let our light shine, the reality of what has happened in our lives spiritually to let it be seen. God, I pray that you would help us as a church to do that, to walk in that. So, Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. We pray, God, that you would please bring these truths back again and again to our remembrance throughout the week. We thank you in Christ's name.